Welcome to the podcast for Windsor Road Baptist Church. Prepare your heart to receive God's message. Our dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for the time we have to to be together uh, to look at your word. Lord, we pray that uh, as we uh, read it together, as we talk about it and think about it and uh, and hopefully keep thinking about it as we leave here this morning, Lord, we just uh, pray that you would be uh, active in us, Lord. We just thank you that you take uh, your word and, and, uh, and you change our hearts uh, and you are continuing to renew us every day. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness to us. Amen. Hey, uh, Beck, this kind of feels like the first time that we've actually had to stop, had a chance to stop and actually talk in a while. So uh, how's your week been? Well, we may as well do it here, you know, why not? Feels a little impersonal, but... Yeah. Look, it's, um, it's been a little full, my week. Uh, work was okay. I'm really, really enjoying class this session. I got an email reminding me that the girls' basketball comes, goes back, not next week, the week after. Um, so they go all our quiet Saturdays, really. And also, uh, I just remembered, well, that reminded me as well that I need to get in touch with Marge, um, just to see how she and Elle are going. It's been a bit of a rocky time for them. So, um, yeah. Oh, and hey, I didn't tell you, on Friday I was uh, sitting upstairs and I watched the neighbours come home at like 6.30 in the morning from a ride. Anyway, it made me miss going for a run. It, you know, the, the routine, the old routine. Um, but seriously, there's, there's no time for that anymore. Um, but I do... I do need to get fitter. Um, anyway, it's, it's exhausting staying on top of things all the time. And actually, the year's activities haven't even really properly started. And, um, oh, hang on, Monday, Tuesday, I can't take the girls to school. Ah, juggling, dropping balls already. Um, I don't know how other people do it. Like, how do you be a good parent, a good daughter, a good friend? a good coach, a good teacher. How do people do that? Anyway, whatever. You, how's your week been? Uh, well, my week has uh, provided me plenty of reminders of the joys of working with other people. There's been some uh, really long and really uh, heavy conversations and some really complicated relational things. Uh, uh, I guess those plans that I had coming into a new year and a new job of, of really getting things done are starting to look shaky already. Those 30, 60, 90 day targets are starting to disappear kind of like a mirage into the future. Uh, I haven't spent much time with you and the girls, which you know. Uh, aside from mowing the lawn, which appears to have had no lasting effect at all, I've made no dints in the list of things to do around the house. And to be honest, by Thursday, even though I knew what we were going to be talking about this morning, uh, I'd came home starting to feel like everything was starting to spiral out of control. And like you said, the year hasn't even really started. It's still January. So I just took some time at the back end of the week to start building some modifications to the guinea pig cage because I figured that it was a small enough job, the scope was controlled, that I might be able to actually have the satisfaction of achieving something um, <laughs> with my time achieving something hey you always feel better when you're doing uh, when you're 
when what you're doing is finished or you do something that you can finish. Uh, question, is it finished? Uh, no, not really. Um, mm. And we also don't even know if the guinea pigs will use it. Mm. So, but, but I am, I, I am, I think I'm one of those task-focused, achievement-focused people. I feel like I have some purpose, some reason when I get things done. And I guess it kind of feels like I have some sort of control over something. Because you're not in control of anything else? Well, I'd say that the last couple of years have been certainly giving me the impression that maybe I'm not as in control of things as I thought I was, or maybe other things are sort of trying to be in control of me. Mm. We still try and be in control, don't we? You know, um, try to keep things under control, like, you know, we're directing them kind of thing. I was reading Matthew 11, uh, 27 to 30, uh, was it last week, the week before, I think? Remind me. Oh, um, okay, so Matthew 11, it's 28 to 29, um, and it says... All things uh, have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Father. Uh, sorry, no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all, who you are, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Well, the invitation to come seems well-timed and well-placed. It's only January and I could use some rest already. It's a new year, but it turns out it's not a new me. Um, but am I just being precious? Does Jesus really mean my modern busyness when he's talking about all you who are weary and burdened? Well... Don't you think that this busyness is really our trying to be good at everything? Um, you know, like that, be an awesome mum, be the best basketball coach, be an even better teacher, always be their friend, someone God has to like because I've gone, already done so much for him. Okay, I, I think maybe we need to go back and look at the context of the verses. Do you remember Ian telling us sometime last year that the Jewish leaders had developed this long and tedious list of how to please God that was really impossible to do? Yeah, and later uh, in Matthew, in Matthew 23, Jesus talks about uh, the leaders that tie up heavy burdens uh, that are hard to bear and lay them on people's shoulders. Uh, the rules seem to be kind of used to control and burden people. Um, people were maybe trying to do the right thing, but it's hard, maybe too hard. They were kind of carrying around a spiritual burden of trying to be good enough, but never quite making it. Mm. Being good was, and I guess probably still is, hard and tiring, especially when the rules are really tedious. But for the 21st century, so the first century everyday Jew, as well as trying to be good, do you think they carried around all the other baggage like we do? There are just so many aspects of life that feel heavy and tiring. Yeah, okay. So one thing I love uh, about the Bible is that it's so real about this, right? The burdens of stress, the worry and hurt that come from relationships the, um, and 
uh, work, financial struggles, caring roles, difficult childhood experiences, even trauma, unfulfilled goals and dreams, they're all there. And I think that sometimes we're tempted to think that life's baggage is kind of a modern concept, right? Yeah, I, I think we're tempted to think that people back then had simpler lives, easier lives perhaps. Jesus couldn't possibly be addressing the struggles that we have in society today. Okay, but I reckon there's a lot of struggles that we shared with uh, the people that Jesus was talking with, but also people a long time before that. Think broken relationships, right? Okay, what comes to my mind would be the Samaritan woman that Jesus meets at the well. Um, five husbands and a partner now. That to me screams a history of, of broken relationships and, and pain. Um, and I'd also think of Eli, the, the prophet and, uh, and priest who was leading Israel at the time and his adult sons walked away and just caused chaos to the, the family and the nation as a whole. The, the pain of dealing with that, that broken relationship would be, would be pretty hard. Um, what about caring roles? Well, think, do you remember the story of Elijah uh, and the nation of Israel's kind of in famine, right, at the time. And Elijah goes and visits this widow. And this poor woman is actually just trying to keep her son alive, right? They've got no food left. And Elijah knocks on the door and is like, can I have a meal? Um, and you think like that widow at the time, she was caring for this, for this son, just trying to keep him alive. Um, and then you also have Peter. Peter comes to Jesus when his mother-in-law falls ill. So um, he obviously had a caring role in some form there too. Um, but as well as that burden, which is just part of life, I think a lot of us also carry around um, other things like guilt, maybe. I think the gold standard, if we could call it that, for, for experience of carrying guilt would be David. In Psalm 38.5, he says that his guilt has overwhelmed him like a burden too heavy to bear when he's reflecting on um, having taken Uriah's wife Bathsheba for himself and then successfully having planned his death. Um, I guess, how do you recover from the guilt of carrying that, uh, that adultery and murder um, around? That's, that's a fair burden. How about social pressures? Oh, I think this one's a big one for our young people, actually. I mean, it is for everyone, right? But at Jesus' time, there was a huge amount of time, uh, pressure, especially on young people, to Hellenise, right? And Hellenise means for the Jewish people to become increasingly Greek in their customs, their religion, their culture. Um, so for young people, think like wrestling was a Greek thing, yeah? Except... They were circumcised, and that was a bit embarrassing because the Greeks weren't, and it really wasn't cool. So wrestling nude when you're circumcised, you might feel that pressure. And then there's, um, I can only imagine how Mary felt at times as well when she was pregnant as an unmarried teen and the pressure that she might have felt. Um, and then there's Jesus, right? Jesus felt social pressure too. He was expected to become a carpenter and to support his family. And instead, at about 30, he goes into full-time ministry. And people around him probably were like, dude, you're 
you're dropping the balls, right? You're supposed to be taking care of your family and you've left them, you're, you're going for a wander. Um, yes, so, <laughs> so uh, there were lifelong effects then of maybe childhood traumas as well as, as another burden that some people carry. I think every time we open Genesis, we just read story after story of the long-term effects of childhood, difficult childhood, childhoods and childhood trauma. I mean, we start with uh, parents playing favourites. Um, Jacob and Esau's parents played favourites, then Jacob played favourites, and then Joseph, his son, ends up being sold into slavery, uh, dumped in a well and sold into slavery by his brothers, and then you have that whole trauma uh, and this journey afterwards play out in his experience with his brothers later. So I think you know, we, we have plenty of stories of the impacts of, uh, of childhood, um, difficult childhoods in the Bible. How about the burden that poor health can play? Mm. Yeah, that was a lot of, there's a lot of baggage there, I think, for Joseph. But yeah, poor health. I mean, there's the woman, right? I mean, there's loads of examples, isn't there? But there's the woman who comes to Jesus for healing after years and years and years of bleeding. Um, and she's had this debilitating condition for years. Uh, you know, I can only imagine that that too was something that she just carried with her, so much frustration and hurt and disappointment in life. What about the burden of work? Do you reckon they had that? Well, I... Ecclesiastes 1, verse 1 to 8. Wait, I got this. Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Utterly meaningless, everything is meaningless. Yep. What do people gain from all their labour at which they toil under the sun? Generations come, generations go, but the earth remains forever. All things are wearisome, more than one can say. And I guess related to work, we then have career. You have, you have Nicodemus coming at night to meet Jesus because of the impact that being seen to engage would have on, on careers. So I guess career was also a thing. Um, yeah. All right. So life has a lot of baggage. Um, Jesus tells us to bring our burdens to him and to take his yoke. All right. What's a yoke and why are we taking it from Jesus? So a yoke is a harness used to attach animals together when they were going to be used to get work done. The energy of the animals did the work and the yoke was the way to control um, and the direction of the animals, and usually we're talking like oxen, um, and their travel. So the yoke is both a symbol of the burden that they're carrying and control over the animals themselves. Okay, so... I guess I'm picturing all the things that we listed before and how they weigh heavily on us, right? And more than just weighing heavy on us, they actually kind of direct us and drive our behaviour and, and, and our actions and our thoughts sometimes. Yeah, as well as that like timeless list, though, of, of burdens that I think are, are common to humanity, I also think there's, there's messages in our society today that probably add to those burdens, like the fact that we need to be in control, to be successful in life, um, that we should all be awesome, uh, the, you know, the 21st century equivalent of just being a good person. You know the word awesome dates you. Okay. Like it's not really the cool word anymore, but let's run with it. Um, think of all those wonderful slogans that are designed to motivate us. I love them on T-shirts. 
run harder, work harder, play harder, don't let things get you down, don't let anyone get in the way of your dreams. Again, you're awesome. The flip side of these though, right? So when you're young, you think, yeah, yeah, these, these are all good things, right? And then you kind of find out a few years later, 5, 10, 20, 30 years, whatever, uh, that it, it's, they're actually, all of that is a bit disappointing and it's kind of a burden of disappointment that starts to hang over you because, you know, you didn't have that successful startup company or you are not running a marathon anymore <laughs> or... Uh, you don't feel, or I don't feel like a great mum all the time, or I haven't visibly changed the world, I haven't made history in some way. And there's kind of a feeling of frustration that, hey, that comes with shifting goals, um, and a sense of failure at not reaching those goals. And the whole illusion of being in control of our own fate kind of starts to fade, and we realise that we don't control the world no matter how much we read it on the sides of buses and on people's gym shirts or in pop psychology, trying to be great all the time is quite frankly tiring. And trying to be in control is like trying to be our own yoke or kind of be yoked to other burdensome things, right? That yoke doesn't really fit because there's so much outside of our control. Um, and we're so easily driven by things that make us lose our way. Yeah, and I think that's the contrast that Jesus is trying to make when he says his yoke is easy and his burden is light. But how? Well, let's go back to verse 27, right? Jesus makes the extraordinary claim of closeness with the Father. He says, all things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. So as God, his yoke is described as light and easy because it actually fits us better. The yoke is made for us. It's made for two, in fact. Jesus is the strong one. He's the one that knows where we're going, and he walks alongside us. And when we take his yoke, we actually stop being driven by unrealistic expectations of our behaviour as a kind of a way of becoming a good person, right? Um, and we kind of start to give up the, that illusion of being in control um, or being yoked to our own dreams or even the burdens of our past or being driven by the world's idea of success. Okay, so it's the goal that changes, the, the path that's different when we take on Jesus' yoke. We allow Jesus to direct our path and define our success. Um, this can begin when we meet with God who doesn't necessarily relieve us of those burdens that we're carrying, nor answer all of our concerns, but he releases us from the need to follow the priorities that demand so much from us, the priorities that insist that we remain in control of our own lives, our weekly schedules, our daily to-do lists, that every day we work harder than the day before, uh, we earn more than we did yesterday, we run further, we volunteer an extra hour, we read another book. Um, these things are not just, they're not necessarily bad things, in fact, they probably describe parts of all of our lives. Yeah, so Jesus releases us from believing that these things are the things that give us happiness, yeah? Success or purpose or, you know, so the things that we do, that working, the caring, 
the things that we have to do in life that sometimes give us the busyness, yeah, um, those impacts from the world, um, they're just that. They're, they're not kind of ends to themselves, yeah? They're, they're not a reason to judge our success or our failure, um, you know, that, or whether we are successful people or we are failures. Um, we know that our purpose, our meaning is defined and secured in Jesus, right? And that our path follows and ends in his plan. So it's in Jesus that we find rest, right? Or rest for our souls even. Okay, so what does that mean for us from here though? What do we take from that into next week? Okay. Um, I, I think that it's those quiet times with Jesus, hey, that, you know, you know the ones I'm talking about that you know we know we need to do, but we never have time for. Um, you know, that time that with God though is not another to-do thing. It's not something that we do. It's actually about being, not doing, right? And we know we need to know Jesus if we're going to take His yoke, walk His path, and maybe there's a broader challenge there in. Uh, seeing Jesus' yoke in terms of his interest in who we are um, more than what we do. Yeah, I think think it's important for us to remember that Jesus took time out. The classic example, of course, is Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane um, where he goes to pray to ask God to take away um, the pain that is to come. Um, But interestingly, again, the the pain doesn't get taken away. Um, It just puts God's plan at the centre of what was happening. Um, So there is a lot of value in looking at the things we do and asking, where is God at work here? In us, through us, around us. But it's a daily thing, isn't it? Yeah, and hey, that just reminded me, didn't Sue do a series a little while ago on, you know, spending time with God in prayer and reading? So that might be a good one to look back on. Um, But... You know, it's also helpful uh, to look back on the things in life, which we often do at the beginning of a new year, at the end of a year and into the the next one, um, and just kind of identify where God, where we can see that God has been at work. I have a bug. It's bugging me. Um, Where God has been at work. Um, And sometimes there are some things that we actually only see in hindsight, Um, and they only kind of become clearer down the track. In saying that, um, there are some things that actually that we don't ever really see or we don't, can't understand where God has been at work. Um, and this is really hard because it means accepting that we don't know what's going on. We're not in control now. Um, we have to leave that to God altogether, leave that to Jesus. Um, and I think it's also about redefining our, what we mean by success in life, right? Success is not about arriving at a place where we're in total control of our lives. Um, because when we try to control our destiny or, you know, where we're heading in life, it kind of always falls apart. Um, and it tends to lead to disappointment. And so... I think our priorities each day as we spend time with Jesus are reshaped in the light of our value and our identity in Christ 
and understanding that that control actually belongs to God, not to us. Um, and this may not change the physical burdens that we carry in life, the things we need to do, although maybe the guinea pig cage can wait next time. Um, but actually, uh, it means uh, it may yeah it means that we can re- radically reshape our focus, allowing our souls to rest in Jesus, as He promised He would give us, because He's got it. Okay. On that point, Beck, actually, uh, I had an interesting, I heard an interesting and challenging example on this this week in terms of how we think about and reflect on control in our lives. Uh, I need to credit the the sort of source of the idea to to Andy Stanley, but it's a challenge for this week for us to consider as as we think about what does what does it mean in in our lives. Um, Regardless of what we tell ourselves or what we think or what we heard on Sunday, our actions are a bigger indicator of what's going on in our lives than than our than those words. And our reactions are an even clearer picture than that. How we react when things don't go to plan, um, saying more about who we really think is in control. So for me, my reactions uh, this week to the workplace and study challenges have not been coming from a place of humbleness or gentleness of, of God being in control. There's not, there's not a place of rest of me walking through um, with Jesus in this, they've come from a, a place of, hey, uh, this is not how I planned this to go. And so I think there's a challenge for us this week to, to think about uh, when we react to things in life, because we will react, because things will happen, how do we take a few moments to reflect on what that tells us about who really is in the driver's seat and not what we tell ourselves? Let's pray. Lord, as we um, listen to, to your word and we're reminded again that, Lord, we are, we are little and you are big and there is so much in life that we don't know, that we can't understand and we often try and, and fill our lives with, uh, with things that give us meaning and uh, give us a sense of purpose, Lord, but those things invariably, Lord, they turn into disappointments, they become burdens. Some of those things we, we can't control at all, Lord. Some of those things are just, they're just part of life and they're part of our responsibilities and part of um, just the path that we have to take. But Lord, you remind us here that, uh, that you walk with us in that that those things don't have to drive us, but rather you can be in the driver's seat, Lord, and we can be walking alongside you, guided uh, by you, and knowing that, Lord, you wear those disappointments, you wear that hurt for us, um, and you are with us in those moments, Lord, but we know that uh, our souls ultimately, Lord, they, they have rest in you because you know You have uh, the end plan, the end goal, um, and you are taking us there, Lord. And I just pray that uh, as we go into our weeks, as we even go into our years, that we will be reminded not to, uh, reminded daily, Lord, not not to try and figure everything out, not to try and make these uh, unshakable plans that only... um, disappoint us or frustrate us when they don't come about, Lord, but to leave that to you, 
Lord, to, to come to you every day, Lord, um, with, with humbleness, uh, acknowledging that, Lord, you, you come or you come to us humbly and gently and you are gentle with us, Lord, um, in walking us through our days, our weeks, our year, Lord. So, um, yeah, so guide us, Lord, and take us with you and remind us to rest in you. Uh, when everything seems to be falling apart. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope that you have been blessed by the message. Windsor Road Baptist Church is a growing intergenerational and international community of people committed to whole life discipleship. Please visit us at windsorroad.org.au to connect with us and to learn more about our church.